Thank you for downloading this Hay Festivals podcast. For more information about the Hay Festivals globally and to access our archive, please visit hayfestival.org. Thank you. Please, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the whole audience, give a very warm welcome to Catherine Tate. We'll be singing later. <laughs> yes, you can see our bottoms, can't you? <laughs> Not very nice. Dear. Now, Catherine, yeah. I'm sure all these people have a burning question, and uh, it's my task to ask it to you. Okay. Where did you park the TARDIS? Uh, the TARDIS is currently circling uh, the fifth dimension, and David Tennant's at the controls. <laughs> really? Uh, um, what is it like inside that little neat police box? Surprisingly roomy, as I'm sure you realise. Um, it's, it's great, actually. But, I mean, when I first went on to the TARDIS set, the first thing that, spring, the first thing that you don't quite understand, and it's the, it's the thing that everyone will say when they first go on the TARDIS set, is you forget that it's actually not 360 degrees. It's not a full set, because you wouldn't be able to get the camera in. So it's, it's actually like... It's, it's actually sort of like one of those half-moon cakes, mm. you know, that you... That, my nan used to make. Um, and uh, and so, so it only actually goes around 180 degrees, so that when you have to stop and do the reverses, you know, you all have to sort of shuffle around and, you know. But it's great. Very good. Room enough for two. Big personalities. Yes, there's room enough for two. Right. You've been um, travelling all over the galaxy, so you must be very tired with all of that, or spaced out. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Just doing puns. Yes. Um, and you've been travelling with the Time Lord. Yes. Now, this is a really bad link here. Okay. We are going to talk about another sort of Time Lord. Okay. William Shakespeare. Right. Because, in many ways, he, he also, his work sort of travels across yeah. time. Um, and we're here to talk about your experience on Shakespeare and how he has, his work has influenced yours. So the first question I'd like to ask is, what, what was your first encounter with Shakespeare? How old were you? When was it? Where was, was it? What was it? I think my first encounter was um, being in a Shakespeare play in a theatre in London called The City Lit. And uh, it was a local amateur group, and they called on the local primary school to kind of offer up some kids in a way that probably wouldn't happen now, um, to sort of be ruffians, to run, uh, run along the stage at various times. And I remember my kid, and I've got a feeling it was probably one of the histories Though I didn't know what it was at the time, it was just, to be honest, as it would be to any kind of eight-year-old, it was a lot of um, sort of gobbledygook, really, you know. Um, no disrespect to the bard, but at eight, it's quite difficult to penetrate. And I, all, all I remember is that they, they used to say to me, when, when this man, and, you know, he was, he was obviously wearing um, doublet and hose and stuff like that, so I was a bit wary of him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I just remember they said, when this man throws an apple up in the air, run across the stage and, and steal his um, purse, uh, which is what I did. And uh, still don't know what the play was. Um, <laughs> still don't know. Um, I can't remember if I gave it back as well, his purse. But um, that was my, I guess that was my first encounter of, of realising... Um, people were speaking in a way that I knew was English but wasn't, wasn't understand, you know, wasn't wasn't accessible to me and then when I when I went to then, then when we studied Shakespeare at school 
which I always used to have a bit of a bolshy attitude about because I knew by then that, um, that, that I felt Shakespeare should be, should be seen and, and he hadn't designed it to be read or studied and, and pored over. So I was always kind of a, up in arms with my, with my teachers for saying, you know, it's, it's boring, um, you know, sit, sit and reading it and I, and I want to see it. And then you see, then they took us to see one to see a production, and I thought that was a bit boring too. Okay. So, <laughs> it's all going very well, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, but, but, but I think a lot, I think that is yeah. most, a lot of people's first impression of Shakespeare, especially if, if, well, you know, I don't know, who knows, maybe, maybe it was a brilliant production and I wasn't sophisticated enough to, to realise it, or maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. No. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it just wasn't very good. And so if, if, if something's not very good and then they're just not connecting to what they're saying, it, it just goes over your head. And because so much emphasis is, is put on the way Shakespeare's spoken, often what it can be is, is, a, is a beautiful sound that, that, that's, that's you know, emitting from people's, from people's mouths. But you just get lulled into the you know, into the rhythm of it, and you're not listening to what they're saying. And it wasn't really until I saw someone be funny in Shakespeare that I suddenly thought, oh, oh, I quite like that. And, and, and that's when it connected with me. And it was a production of Midsummer Night's Dream, where the girl playing Helena was really funny. And, um, and I remember thinking, that's really funny. And years later, using what she'd done at drama school... <laughs> <laughs> yes. And did, and did you make people laugh as well? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 what did I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a magpie, but what I'd done was I'd drawn inspiration from how she'd made people laugh and then kind of um, translated it into my own way, you know. But that was, for me, that was how Shakespeare became interesting. It was, it was, be, it was you know, it was seeing that it could be funny and seeing that people could understanding it and I understood it through this girl being funny you know and, and she told the story through that and that's what I think when you strip away because a lot goes on in Shakespeare sometimes you know there's a lot of layers that don't necessarily need to be there and with the language it, it can distance people rather than rather than pull them in and when you see a really clear production as that one was uh, that kind of got me got me hooked on it and, and got me more interested to, to read the things that weren't comedy and yeah i, I think like the, the seeing it live is, is absolutely the, yeah. the key yeah you mentioned um previously that i think it was a school trip that you went to and you got called onto the stage by a certain sir that's right by sir ian mckellen and he had done he was doing a um i think it was kind of called i think it was called shakespeare and me maybe or something like that but it was a big show he did a one-man show in the west end where he kind of he kind of took you on a journey through all the plays and he played many parts and in one of them um, he did the, the, gosh, what would it be? It would be the speech from one of the Henrys, I guess, where they read out all the, um, yeah. the soldiers who have died. And, and he, he called lots of people up on stage um, and he gave everyone a name and when he called your name you had to die. And um, that was brilliant, you know, for me, because it was like, you know, I was on this stage with loads of people, with Ian McKellen, so Ian McKellen, dying. And um, <laughs> didn't he point at you? In the good very story. Your, your... I was right at the top. I was right at the top. I was writing the gods, and he said, "Come down." <laughs> um, and and I did, and it was great. And I'd gone. It wasn't actually a school trip. I'd gone on my own, 
And, um, and, I, and of course, it, this was the end of the show. It was his finale where everyone died. And I had to go upstairs and get all my stuff. But on the way up, everyone said, oh, well done, well done, well done. And I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> So is that your sort of first taste of a sort of a theatrical life? Probably, yes. Because yes. you, you didn't grow up in a household where, you know, the, the, the sh complete works were on the, was on the bookshelf or anything like that, did you? Oh, there were certainly, yes, Shakespeare was certainly, we certainly had copies, but I didn't, I didn't, well, you see, I, I didn't grow up wanting to read Shakespeare. I wanted to see it. And in fact, it was only when I finished my A-level English literature I actually, for pleasure, read it because I've, I found that studying Shakespeare actually took the enjoyment away from it. And I remember uh, on the curric curriculum then was, uh, was uh, Hamlet and, and Measure for Measure. And to this day, I find them very difficult. I know one of them is a problem play anyway, but I find them difficult because all I s still come to them with, with you know, this dis disgust, this is that, and disgust, and what element of this is that. And I, I, I still find that gets in the way a little bit, mm. you know. So you died on stage with Sir Ian McKellen. I did. Um, and then you saw him last year in King yes, Lear. Did you go yes, and see him I afterwards? Did, yes, 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 I did. And yes. did he remember your performance? Oh, I'm sure he did. I'm sure, I'm sure he's drawn on it ever since. Yes. <laughs> so... Um, from I think that, it was mainly down to me, you got knighted. Yes, I think, I'm sure it was. Um, so you had that, that sort of taste, you know, which you enjoyed, and then you went on to the Central School of Speech and Drama. Yeah. Um, did they prepare you in Shakespeare in any way at all? Um, we, we had a very, can I just say about how I got into, into Central? I'd been, I, I started auditioning when I was 17, and I, I, and I eventually went when I was 21, and I... I, I'm convinced that um, what, what finally got me through the door, other than them just thinking, oh, for goodness sake, she's going to come back till she's 45 if we don't, you know, just give her a place, um, is that the year I got in, I did... Uh, when you apply to drama school... I'm, actually, I'm not sure if they do it now. I'm sure, I'm sure they must. You, 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 you do a modern speech and a, and a Shakespeare speech, and they give you a list to choose from of the Shakespeare's, and you can choose a, a modern of your choice. And on the um, list that year was a speech from Henry IV, Mistress Quickly. And Ian McKellen, again, had done it in his one-man show. And this speech was one that I, I imagined at the time had always been done in a very kind of bawdy, kind of corblimey way, in the way that a, a lot of the characters that are, are written in prose in Shakespeare tend to get... Do you know what I mean? A lot of yeah. people do play them like that or they'll give them a northern accent or something like that, um, which I don't really like. But um, um, Anyway, he did this speech, and it's, it's a speech where uh, Mistress Quickly is talking about the death of Falstaff. And I remember he did it, and everyone was absolutely transfixed because, he, you know, for a start, he was playing a woman, you know, and, and he sat down and he just completely internalised it in a good way, though. He just, he just drew you in. And there was no emotion about it other than the contained emotion of someone talking about someone they really loved who's just died. And I, and I remember almost doing an impression of him. <laughs> That's how I basically got my career, is just impersonating people, it seems. Um, but I, I basically did an impression of Ian McKellen, Sir Ian McKellen, doing Mistress Quickly... Now, this is really mean. Can you remember any of it? Could you do it? I couldn't do it, no. but I could... I certainly remember it says... I certainly remember it... He, she says... Um, 
she says, because someone says, oh, I bet, they say full staff's dead. And, and, and I guess someone before says, well, I bet he's burning in hell or he's living it up in hell or something like that. And she says, nay, sure, he's not in hell. He's in Arthur's bosom. If ever a man went to Arthur's bosom, he made a finer end and went away as ever a man in Christendom or something like that. But it was very, it was very internalized. And, 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 and what I'd remembered hearing was, because it was on the list of um, speeches, lots of people were choosing it, partly because it was written in prose and everyone's thinking, oh, great. Great to, great to do a Shakespeare speech that isn't actually in verse for, for, for entrance into drama school. And lots of people, and I was hearing, were going in and giving it, you know, nay, sure, he's not in hell. He's in Arthur's bosom. You know, and all that. And I, and I sort of thought, I don't know that's quite appropriate, really, um, if you're talking about someone you quite liked. And, and I just remember keeping the stillness that he'd done and, 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 and the sentiment, and I got in, and there's a little thing coming at me. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe it was, you know, maybe it was my, 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 maybe it was my song that got me in, but I'm more inclined, because <laughs> I remember they said, they spring it on you at drama school, they said, you've got to sing eight, uh, two bars of your, of your favourite song. And they hadn't said that on the letter, and I, and I stupidly sang the theme tune to Neighbours. <laughs> and they were looking at me, these people, they're thinking, what is this she's talking about? But that singing the theme tune to Neighbours is a real skill. It's one I've retained, I'll tell you. Yeah. When I get behind on the drum kit, I'll give you the full acoustic version. Yes, this isn't for the man afterwards. This is for you in five minutes' time. Um, in Shakespeare's day, going to hear a play, to see a play, but predominantly to hear a play, was a really popular thing yeah. to do. And it was for, it was for the masses yeah. and it was for entertainment. It was like football. It was, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, we, we've really, the divide has really, you know, it's become very, very great, I think, the divide now between Shakespeare and the people that it was originally meant for. So do you think there is any way of making that divide smaller? There's a, we have the Globe Theatre in London, and that sort of is, is provides a very big experience for yeah. the people. Then there's the other theatres that do, do Shakespeare, um, and the audience is in one place yeah. and the action is in another. And there's no f fruit fr throwing no, or no, anything no like that, or calling or yes. engaging with the action. Are we t past that probably now? probably right, isn't it? I think now, <laughs> I think sensibilities have moved on a, on a bit to... Because um, it would be pretty awful to be... I mean, as a, you know, I mean, I think the, the early day Shakespearean actors were probably very equivalent to the, certainly in terms of um, morale and temperament, to modern day stand-ups because it was a much more gladiatorial mm. feel about it. But to be on stage in a play and be heckled, I think, is a bit much. Isn't it? You know what I mean? Because if you're a stand-up, at least what you're, at least you can come out. At least, you know, when I did, when I used to stand up and get heckled, you can, you know, you can, you can at least answer as yourself. But as a, as a Shakespearean character, to be told, you know, get off your rubbish, you know, it's, it's quite difficult, I imagine. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, how, but how, when you watch plays, what is it that you connect with? What draws you in? Um, it's, it's, it's always going to be with me how, how well the language fits into the actor's mouth. And I saw, very recently, I saw um, Simon Russell Beale do Benedict mm. at, in Much Ado at the National. And I thought his, 
I thought the connection he had with what he was saying and the sheer clarity of how, well, of how the whole production itself was, was driven, but I thought his, his ease with Shakespeare was breathtaking. And, and, and that's what I would always look for, because I think if, if you see actors and they're just kind of sitting above the text and they're not really in it, and it sounds a very kind of pretentious thing to say, but you know when you watch a production of anything, let alone Shakespeare, if it's not really being felt. And with Shakespeare, because the language now to our ears is so dense and it is so flowery and it is so alien almost, you need the actor to know what they're saying. Mm. And if the actor doesn't know what they're saying, we're all a bit doomed. And that's, that's how I had, a, I had a drama teacher who told me... We, we had to do a thing at school where we had to learn a sonnet. And, you know, you, you reel them off. But this, this, this woman, she sat down and she went through what every line meant. And it doesn't take long. And, and, and once, you know, you, you, you're through it, you realise, oh, it's, I understand what you're saying now. You're... It's just, it's just a more, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's, it's just a much more flowery way of, of saying it. And because she, because she'd made me understand that sonnet, that's how I was. It stayed in my memory for years and years and years. And a couple of years ago, I did a, I did a comic relief sketch with David Tennant. And right at the last minute, it's where this, um, I, you know, I'm above the um, character. Um, she pulls out a, a, a sonnet right at the last minute, and we did it right at the last minute up to recording because I said, I think I can remember this sonnet. And I did, you know, and it was, it was because this lady had, um, had really, really sat down and said, this is what it means, it's, not, it's nothing to be afraid of, and that's how it stays in, I think, you know. I don't really want to talk about the dead, so Lauren is, is with us no longer, the is dead? she? Oh, gosh. Well, her body was never found. Her body was never found? Uh -huh. Yes, for the, for the Christmas here. specials <laughs> and, um, the, and the TV spin-offs. But, but that was fantastic. It was a fantastic idea to put a sonnet into Lauren Cooper's mouth. Um, you know, and, and to, for her sort of feistiness, her sort of yeah. very sort of muscular way of speaking yeah. to completely connect with the language. Yeah. What, what, what was the sonnet again? It was my mistress' eyes are nothing like the sun. Coral is far more red than her lips red. If snow be white, why then her breasts are done? If hair be wires, black wires grow on her head. I have seen roses damask red and white, but no such roses see I in her cheeks. And in some sonnets, is there more delight than... Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were going to say yeah. that. <laughs> but it was... Um... But the thing about that, what I wanted to do with that character, that I'm above the character, she used to get so much stick and say, oh, she's... Yeah. I, I, I remember single-handedly getting blamed in the press for being the instigator of hoodie culture, which, again, I thought was a little bit much, um, <laughs> with, with that character. But with that character, I was always mindful. I never thought for a moment, um, you know, children would pick up on it. It wasn't, it wasn't a show written for children at all, you know, but, 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 but kids did did and do watch the show, and, that, and, that, and that's brilliant. That, I, I, love, I love that. But, I, but then I began to be mindful that, well, I do want to portray a character that people relate to, but I also didn't want her to be a particularly bad influence, and I never swore at, as that character. I never really did anything. She, she was never threatening. She was just always a bit insecure. But also, the other thing I always wanted to do was to actually make her quite bright. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to be bright. It was just the fact that she was, you know, a little bit bullshit. And I, I thought it is surprising, because there's so many kids who who can quote Shakespeare and, 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 and probably don't, but <laughs> it's probably or, not their favourite thing. Or don't know that they're doing it. Or don't know that they're doing it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
yet Shakespeare in his time was only, he would only have written what people could relate to. And that's the only thing. I, I, I don't like dialogue that doesn't ring true. And I, like, I do like listening to people and the way they talk because I think there's, there's nothing more interesting about someone to me than, than the way they talk and their, their, their vernacular and the way they communicate. And I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very passionate about the fact that, that, that young girls need to use their voice because um, quite, quite often we, you know, we are brought up to be, you know, I, I think it dates way back to when, you know, women perhaps didn't have the voice they do now. But even now it can sometimes sort of get a bit down. And, so, and I think be loud, be loud and, th and then decide what you're saying, but, but be heard first. <laughs> but it's true, you know what I mean? Because there's so many people that are... Once you have the confidence to speak out, then you can probably monitor and be more interested in what exactly you're saying and the, the impact you have on it. But yeah. um, really, shout. You gave um, uh, Lauren Cooper that, that sonnet. Um, and was there a, a, a positive response to putting that into, into that character? Um, with the audience, yeah. yeah, there was, yeah, because um, it was partly probably because David Tennant was there, to be honest, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was, you know, I think it, because it's surprising and the, the one thing you, you have to do as a writer and also as a performer, I think, you have to keep su being, being surprising, you know, which is one of the reasons why I, 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 it's unlikely I will do that character again because I don't know what else to do with her, you know, I've, I've well... Because the, the ultimate thing was for someone to turn around and quote back to take away the words from her mouth, the am I bothered? Mm. And Tony Blair did that. And then what, I can't do anything no. beyond no. shoving her over a waterfall, really. <laughs> but she hasn't been found. She's not been found. No. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your writing. Um, you have, and you were just beginning to describe it there, you've got a fantastic ear for other people's voices, and then that sort of transfers... You're, you taking it in then transfers itself through your writing hand onto the page yeah. and your characters emerge. Can you talk us about that process and how you begin to layer each individual up? Um, I, don't, I, I don't sit down um, at a computer and write because I'm not very disciplined. Um, and also, it's not much use to the way I work to, um, to write, the things, write things out before I've said them. I, I, I have to... I have to say them, I have to kind of improvise them and then, um, and then mould the, the, the scene around them because I don't have the discipline for that. But I'm, I'm, I'm really, 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 really picky and I know I, I, I would say for, for script editors and um, producers, some producers, they, I think they tear their hair up because I really think there's such a lot of merit to debate whether Angel Delight is funnier than than, um, you know, um, trifle or something like that. You know, I think, I think the choices you make in words and, and numbers, you know, it's much funnier to say someone's 48 than to say they're 32, in my opinion, you know. <laughs> it's just things like that, and I'm really sort of slightly... Um, slightly mental about it, I think, really. You told, you told a wonderful story about um, describing um, the Nan character's yes. back and how you... Back. back, yeah. Her, oh, it wasn't fat. her back; it was somebody else's back. A fat yes. back. Oh, she was describing she someone's back. She had a fat. Yes, this was it. This was. Yeah, that's right. And that came out of because a lot of uh, when I when I did my show with the characters, I would never want to go out in front of an audience and record it without having been in front of a, a, a different live audience 
and tried it out live in a theatre because it's, it's in, invaluable the feedback you get from, 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 from an audience. In fact, the whole Am I Bothered catchphrase came. That wasn't intentional at all. Um, I knew that I was going to do a, a teenage character who, and, and all I had was an idea that she was going to get dumped by her boyfriend. And I tried it out in a, in a, in a little theatre in London called the Latchmere Theatre. And there were about seven people in the audience. <laughs> and... Um, and, and, and we did what, what did eventually go on to become, a, to, to, to become one of the sketches in the show. And um, she, she gets dumped by someone, and her friend goes, you're right. And she goes, am I bothered? And that was all it was going to be. And when I said, am I bothered, about three out of the seven people tittered. <laughs> and, and my ears tuned, sort of pricked up. And I repeated it, and I went, am I bothered, though? And then four people laughed. <laughs> And then I went, look at my face. And then five people joined in. And towards the end of the evening, all seven people were cackling. And, um, and it was only because I'd realised they'd picked up on it and I repeated it. And I realised I kept saying it and the more I said it, people laughed. And that was, you know, had I just probably gone out and, and done that without that, you know, trying that out, I probably wouldn't have... Um, it, it probably wouldn't have caught on, you know, because it's... Uh, but the thing is, I didn't... You, it's the thing about catchphrases. You can't write a catchphrase. It's people that make the catchphrase. It's only by people repeating what you say will make a catchphrase. You can't write... I don't, I don't believe you can write a catchphrase. What you can do is, 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 is present something that resonates with people and then they, they pick up on it. But with the, with the, with the, with the, with the ladies back, yeah, in, one, in another... Um, in another one of these tryout nights, um, it was an old lady character, and um, and she was talking about a, a lady called Jean. And, um, and and also the other thing is, when I go out on stage, I, I've not completely written the things because I like to improvise them and then say to someone as I got off stage, "What did I say? <laughs> Remember it, because I need to, you know, need to need to re record it tomorrow at the BBC." And. Um, and I, and I remember saying, um, oh, I saw Jean, saw Jean the other day. And she fat. <laughs> and all I was going to say was, she's got a fat back, right? But I went, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll have a little play with it. And I went, she's got a fat back. A great big fat back. <laughs> a great big fat airy a great, big, fat, airy, dirty back. And it just sort of kept going on like that. And in the end, I think I said something awful that didn't make it to the show. But I was getting so carried away. I actually said something like, oh, and then it got to a great, big, fat, airy, dirty, sweating back. And then I said, if you put a knife in it, gravy would fall out. <laughs> Which I don't think actually made it to the show, but uh, it's just that thing if you just keep pushing it because people's reactions do it. Yeah. So you obviously have an absolute passion for making language work. Yeah, I like it. I, I think it's because I, well, uh, I, I, I grew up with, with um, brilliant. I believe I, I was very lucky in, in, the, in my in my environment where I grew up, I, I, I believe I was around wordsmiths, not people that were particularly educated, but people who had an amazing um, sense of language and, 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 and humour and, and, and managed to 
um, you know, really be funny by, by, by taking things out and, and whole things like, you know, not meaning to be funny, but I grew up with, with, with people saying things like, my nan would definitely, you know, this is what my nan should say, she's like, I'm starving. I am starving. Oh, I'm starving. I'm absolutely starving. And you say, well, would you want something to eat? You say, well, I can't be messed about eating. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was things like that. And I realised after a while that that's quite funny. You don't realise that's quite funny. And, my, and one of the... Um, also, my nan's favourite expression for someone... My, my nan's favourite expression was to call someone. She'd say, um, oh, don't be messed about him. He's a big, hairy elf. And I remember thinking, big, hairy elf. <laughs> and I remember saying to her once, nan, elves, right, elves, not really big, are they? Not really big, are they, big elves? And she say they're not airy either. <laughs> and that was it, really. And I was like, oh, no, I suppose not. <laughs> but it's just the, the sort of the, the colour of language and uh, that absolutely, um, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, it, and, and it was what, um, you know, got, got me into reading. What I used to absolutely love to do was to read Victoria Wood's scripts. She published her scripts mm. and uh, I just used to see them on the page. Uh, we're, we're just a delight to see how sentences have been formed and, and, and ideas had been realised. I just think she is... Well, I think she's absolutely fantastic. So, so seeing it on the page, you, you can see the humour in it, yes. makes you laugh, and you see the potential yeah. of performance. Yeah. What about Shakespeare being funny? He wrote 14 yeah. comedies. Um, yeah. Way back in the day, they, they flocked to see them, and they laughed, yeah. and they laughed. But today, it's a lot more difficult to get a laugh out of a, a Shakespeare joke. What do you think? Well, I think it's because... I think it's, you know, it's sensibilities and time, and time moves on. And, and no matter whatever way you play it, to our ear in this day and age, hey, nonny, nonny, isn't that funny? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just not. And even if people come on with bells on their knees, it's still not going to be that funny. And... With, with, um, I remember, I can't remember how many years ago, but it was, it was the cheek by jowls. Oh, was it the cheek by jowls as you like it? It was Declan. All male. Was it the all? No, actually, it wasn't the all. Oh, actually, I'm, I can't remember. I did see that one. It, anyway, it was. I think it was. Was it? Oh no, it wasn't. It was David Lamb. Right. And he said, "Now, who's the one? Is Touchstone, isn't it? That comes out and That's really like tries to be funny." Um, and he said, why don't you get a stand-up comedian to come out, do away with the Shakespearean, and come out and, do, and perform, a, perform a, a kind of a stand-up act of the day? Now, I don't know, I didn't see it, so I don't know if that was, if that was a particularly um, successful exercise. I don't know what it is. I think what it will boil down to is, because it's, it's, it's less likely that the language of Shakespeare is going to make us laugh if we don't find the characters endearing and, and we don't believe in the characters. It's still absolutely possible for Shakespeare to be funny. If you see, um, you know, um, Roger, uh, I mean, Roger Allen doing Benedict was like a, in, in, in As You Like It, was just, I, I, I wasn't, you know, it's one of those things that I can't, you've got to stop now because I need to take another breath in and I'm frightened I'm going to miss what you're next going to do. You know, that was, you know, it's when you see people be funny in Shakespeare, it is... It's wonderful. And it, what it does, unfortunately, what it does is it highlights that not that many people are funny in Shakespeare. 
But when you see it done, it's absolutely possible. And I think it's, it's only down to the fact that people are, it's like everything, humour's exactly the same. We're only going to laugh at what we recognise, or if we see something happening to someone on stage that, that will either strike a chord in us, of thank God that's not me, or I've been there, or you're really funny. And I think it just, it's, it's only ever going to boil down. I don't think we can, we can write Shakespeare off and say it's not funny no. anymore. I just think the bells on the knees aren't, aren't really going to do it. But I think there, there's something interesting to be explored with stand-up comedians in the clown roles. Probably, yeah. Yeah. At some um, point. Yeah. Um, although, although, again, I'm, I'm very reticent about the fact that you would, you, would, you would chuck away Shakespeare's text and say that's not relevant anymore. Because then where do you draw the line? You know, mm. why don't we, we just come on and say, all right, my name's Hamlet, I'm probably going to die later, catch her. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you go, oh, well, what's the point? You know what I mean? David Tennant's playing Hamlet. Maybe you like could tell him Like that, he's going to do it like that. Very me. good. Uh, um, you talked before about the, when we were talking about comedies, about the, the fact that in the comedies, a lot, an awful lot of the women nowadays disguise themselves as men. Oh, and that's my, pe oh, that's my pet hate, though. In Shakespeare. Yes, in Shakespeare. Oh, I should get on a soapbox now. In Shakespeare, this is what I hate. Um, I said, no, not what I hate, not what I hate, not what I hate. That's the wrong thing to say. What I find very frustrating as a, as a member of the audience watching Shakespeare, in many of the, in many of the, brilliant plays and brilliant storylines, it's utterly crucial that one of the women character disguises herself as a man and passes herself off as a man. Now, in order for that to happen, what often, what often takes place is this particular character will go off stage as a woman, come back on stage with a hat on, <laughs> and everyone will say, oh, there's a new fella in town. And this is all, this is, this is the only connection we have that this character has become a man. And then what happens is she goes through the whole play, everyone's completely convinced that she's a man, just wearing a hat, you know. There's no, there's no, and, you know, as a member of the audience, I want to see a physical transformation. Men don't speak, I mean, obviously, it, I think it's the, I think what's happened is, way back in the day, the audiences were, 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 went along with this premise because all the female characters were being played by men anyway. So it was, it was one less deceit. But now what happens is they, they, they go off stage, they come back with a hat on, and they say, tis I, you know, John, or whatever. And then... Ganymede. Ganymede, yes. And then, uh, you know, three hours later, everything works brilliantly. She takes her hat off. And everyone goes, no. <laughs> what, you stop it. <laughs> we thought you were a man. What, with a hat and everything? And that's, that I find rather, that I, I, I find, I, I, I almost want to stop the production and go, I'm sorry, no, unsatisfactory. <laughs> you have to be more like a man. Can we just, I just like to ask you how you become like a man, because you, you, you play um, old Derek. Yes, old Derek. Yeah. Um, I become like a man by um, having the entire, my entire head and shoulders um, covered in, um, in very heavy latex. <laughs> and um, it's why we only shoot, often we only shoot from there up, because in order for everything to be in proportion. My, my, my head and shoulders need to be sort of like about six inches bigger. And then often you'll see me walk away in a long shot and I've got 
ridiculous women's legs, you know, on these, like, American footballer. But that, that came, well, you see, that came about because I thought, I want to believably pass as a man. And I, and, and, and I wanted to do it, but I also wanted to do, well, we weren't sure what we were going to do, but then it, then it sort of came up. How that character first started was in Edinburgh, I, I, to, to, to put one level, one layer on top of it, I, was, I actually played him <laughs> doing a drag act. So I was actually a woman being a man being a woman. And you just had a hat. And I just had a hat. <laughs> no, you know what, even then, I did it. And it was mainly because I wanted to wear a ginger moustache. So I thought it would be really funny to wear a ginger moustache. So I wore, and I thought, I mean, in retrospect, I think probably any self-respecting drag queen would have probably taken their ginger moustache off. But I had a ginger moustache, all my hair piled on top of my head, and a leopard skin caftan. And I mimed to a Judy Garland track. I mean, it was just really what I wanted to do. But, um, but how, I, how I, I wanted to do the voice, and I had to do a voice that was going to... Um, be believable and then then it came about that maybe I should do someone that was perhaps you know a little bit effeminate he's not gay we know he's not gay but I wanted to do it within my own range and it be believable mm. um, and I never once wore a hat no <laughs> glasses I did put glasses yes. so let's back, back to Shakespeare and Shakespeare's women um, he writes fantastically yeah. for women um, he doesn't write as many women as he as men, but yeah. the women he does, he did write, are absolutely brilliant. They're intelligent, they're funny, they're sassy, they're gutsy, they take risks. They often have a great deal of, sort of tension in their situation. Um, out of all the char female characters in the plays, are you particularly drawn to one or another? Um, I, love, I love Beatrice from Much Do About Nothing. I love Hermione in Winter's Tale. I love Helena because in in in, uh, in Midsummer Night's Dream because I think that's one of the funniest parts in Shakespeare. Um, my uh, I would say that the, the the most glorious one to behold for me is is uh, is Beatrice from Much Ado. And why is that? Because um, I guess it's because she's um, someone who. Well, it depends what production you see, but on, on the whole, she, um, she's kind of written off as um, someone who... She's always there with a quip and a witty remark, and, you know, you, she, she doesn't like getting too close, and she, and she throws out, you know, all these kind of wonderful reposts at people. But there's a line in it that I think is the crux of Beatrice, and it's when Don Pedro says, ''Will you have me?'' Madam, and it kind of stops her dead in her tracks. And she says, no, you know, I, I, I won't. You know, and she, you know, there's this great sparring, obviously, the, the, the sparring between her and Benedict is wonderful. But um, when she says, um, he, he, she, she falls silent a bit, and, 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 and the Duke says something like, oh, your, your silences worry me most because you are, uh, merriness best become you. For out of question, you were born in a merry hour. And I think this is the perceived notion of, of, of Beatrice. It's just, you know, she's, she's, she's just a bit of a clown. And she says, No, sure, my lord, my mother wept. But then a star danced, and under that I was born. And I, I've always felt that that's, that's not a funny moment for Beatrice. 
And, so, and sometimes it is, you know, it's very, it's very tempting to get a, a laugh on that line when someone says, for you were born in a, you know, in a merry hour, and she goes, uh, no, sure, my lord, my mother cried, ha ha. But I think it goes so much deeper with that, and I think that's the crux of Beatrice, and that's why I've always loved, loved that character, because I think, I think, this is me sort of reading into it, but I think she's very aware of the sadness that... Mm brought her into the world. And, and, and once again, you're returning to the fact that your connection is with characters that you can believe. You know, you actually believe in what they're saying, believe in their yes. situation, their, yes. and their feeling. And of course, you know, as, as we all know, Shakespeare, that's why, you know, is still in our lives today because um, of, of that very fact that he, we recognise the people in, in, the, in the plays. Yeah. Equally, uh, we recognise the characters in your show. Um, and I'm just wondering, and, and you know, Shakespeare wrote a lot of people from the street. Yeah. You know, you recognise them in marketplaces along the street. You recognise your characters too. If you were a casting director, Catherine Tate, right. and had that sort of a lofty role, and you had all your characters listed down, and you had, could put them in any Shakespeare play, how would you match? Um, goodness me. Um, Would you give a Shakespearean role to, to Lauren? To Lauren? Well, like, do you know what I'd do? I'd cast her against type, and I'd cast her as the innocent Juliet, probably. Because, um, why not, you know? <laughs> why should she not have that uh, great love? How wonderful to hear that famous line coming out of her mouth. Romeo, Romeo. <laughs> Wherefore art thou, Romeo? I'm only asking a question. <laughs> I can't ask the question. Perfect. So that's Lauren cast as the, the young Juve lead. How about, um, oh, yeah, Nan. I'd love to know about her. Would you? Um, well, I think perhaps slightly elderly, but I think she'd be a pretty good Lady Macbeth. Out, out, damn spot. <laughs> I think she'd touch Macbeth into into place a bit quicker. Uh, <laughs> and that completely, wonderfully mad uh, woman you've created, the Argasaga lady. Oh, just... yeah, posh lady. Yeah. Posh lady who um, really existed. And it's this, this woman really existed, like as if posh people don't exist. <laughs> oh, no, really, they really are there. It's great. Um, I, was preg I was pregnant when I was pregnant. <laughs> I was walking along the King's Road and... Um, I was really heavily pregnant and just a bit exhausted. And uh, there's a, a, a supermarket along... Well, it was not a supermarket. It's Terence Conran's shop where they overpriced, you know, nonsense. But I thought, oh, I might as well go in there. It's called the Bluebird. And um, other supermarket chains are available. Um, <laughs> and I, I was walking in, and I don't know why I went in. I, oh, anyway, I did. Walked in there, and there was this woman who looked exactly... It was my one revenge... She looks exactly like this, that woman I played, blonde, with, you know, like a pashmina on. And, um, and I was really out of breath because I was so pregnant. And um, she held the door open for me. And, uh, and, I, and I said, but quite under my breath, I said, oh, thank you. But she didn't hear it. And she turned around to me and she went, thank you. Oh, how rude. Oh, thank you. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I'm pregnant. Oh, you're pregnant. Oh, you're pregnant. Anyway, I went absolutely mental with this woman. I called her a menopausal old trout. Um, <laughs> look at me. I'm with child. Um, 
And she was so... Oh, I, I really... But that was my one uh, revenge on those um, snibby women up the King's Road who... Um, Maybe you wouldn't give her a role. I wouldn't give her a role. No. What, no, I put it as the porter or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or an ineffectual part, one of those really hard parts. I know, or... No, I don't know. I, I actually wouldn't cast her because it's, memories are too bad. Now, if Shakespeare were alive today and he was sitting here and you could ask a question, what question would you ask him? Oh, um... Gosh, I don't know. You've put me on the spot there. I'd ask him, um... I don't know. Maybe something about the humour, maybe... Well, I, you know, I, I, you can't be belligerent, can you? And say, why, 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 why are they not really as funny as they should be? Um, well, where were you all those years? Yeah, because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of Bill, Bill um, Bryson's right, written a uh, um, biography of him, hasn't he, at the moment? And, and all it seems to be is, well, we, we don't know much about him. Mm. You know, there was, there's three portraits done of him. No one knows if any of them are him. Uh, I suppose I'd say, you know, what's going on, Bill? <laughs> Very good. What's been going on? Now we've got about 15 minutes left, 10 or 15 minutes left, um, and so that's some time for questions. I'm sure you've got loads of questions out there, um, and they don't have to be about Shakespeare. They can be about anything you like. So this is how it goes. You put your hand up, and one of the lovely people in the yellow vest will come running to you with a microphone, and then you speak loud and clearly into the microphone the question to, that you'd like to ask Catherine. So hands up. Who would... A question here at the front. Okay. Um, do you watch yourself on TV? Um, I, I watch myself on... Well, not actually on TV as it goes out, but um, I watch myself because I edit my show. So I have to watch that um, because uh, I, uh, I have to... I'm quite controlling. But I, I watch that with... with with not an eye towards me as a person. I, I, I do that with, with, with more concerned with the, with the show as a whole. Um, like, for example, on Doctor Who, I sort of watch it like that. Oh, God. Uh, because, partly because I, you know, I have no control over that, so all I can do is watch it as a punter. Um, but on, on the whole, no, I don't. Is that because it's... it's well, it's because it, it's... I. I when I, if I'm, if I'm, for example, if I'm watching myself in, in the edit suite doing my show, if I don't like something, I can go, oh, stop that there, pause that, take that back, go on the reverse. But in other things, I can't do that. I just have to I'm, like, sit there with my hands tied going, oh, my God, why did I do it like that? You know, so I sort of think, oh, just spare yourself. Yeah. You know? uh, another question? Up, up the back, yep. Uh, who's been your favourite character to play? Um, in... In, in everything, do you mean, or do you mean in, in, in the ones that I do? Um, yeah, in sort of the sketches you do. In, in the sketches. Um, the favourite one is probably, to be honest, it's the old lady, because, um, because it's, it's the privilege that you get that, that comes with age. And as I've um, discovered, um, it's really funny um, when old people swear. <laughs> People quite like that, <laughs> and it's not, you know, and it's really you can get away with so much from the from the mouths of a from the mouth of a you know of a, of a rather cantankerous old lady. So that's the most fun, I think. 
Uh, and is there another question? Someone with a microphone? Oh, over here, yep. Oh, um, I'd like to ask, it's probably a double question. Um, one you probably get asked a lot is, are you going to do another sketch show? But the other one was, that grandma, without the swearing, I have to say, is my grandma. And the shit egg mushrooms. In, the what? The shit egg mushrooms. Oh, shit egg mushrooms. <laughs> Um, was an aunt and uncle who always used to discuss how much a cup of tea and cake had cost yes. when they went out. And, you know, they are characters from my life. Were they oh, characters from your life? Um, the, the old lady is, yeah, she's kind of a, an amalgamation of lots of old ladies that I, I've known. It isn't my nan. Um, it, it isn't my, my own nan. Elements certainly are. And the way that she sits like that... That was my, uh, that was my godmother, because my godmother was... Um, in the, sort of like one in the same generation as my nan. She was sort of old, older, you know. And uh, she used to sit like that. She always have a handbag down by the side, which was something that I always, want, always had in the show, but the, I don't think the camera ever um, got down to it. And in, in, the, um, in her latter years, she, she walked with a stick. And she's one of those, as lots of old ladies are, you know, can't let you leave the room without giving you money. You know what I mean? Don't, go, don't you dare go out without leaving that. And what she'd do is she'd stop you with her stick. And then she'd hook the handle of her bag up, put it on her lap, open it up, and throw a fiver away. You know? um, so, so there were elements of, of definitely of, 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 of ladies that I've known. Um, and and, and the, the, um, yes, the, 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 the £2.50, yeah, uh, she'd take mushrooms. They were based on um, friends of, of, of one of my friend's parents. Yeah, yeah. But based on, you know. Um, am I going to bring the show back? If I, if I have more ideas, I will. You know, it's just one of those things of you don't want... You, you want to leave while you're still in people's good graces. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't... As much as I love doing the show, I absolutely love doing the show, but I... You know, you, you are aware that you need fresh ideas and you need to keep pushing it. And, and I, I didn't want to just keep doing this the same old thing, you know. So hopefully, yeah. Another question over here. Which of your characters do you think you're most like? Which of my characters? Um, well, one of them was actually based on me, and that was one that we used to call Tactless Woman. Um, and it was, I think we only did it in, in one series. It's a woman at a party, and she just kept going up to people and going, oh, God, God, you're having a baby. And people go, no. And... Um, <laughs> And, I, and it's terrible, you think, and, and I've now vowed that unless someone's water breaks in front of me, <laughs> no way would I comment on the fact that they may be pregnant. Um, really, um, I mean, awful. I've done that so, and you think, if you mistake someone's stomach for another person once, <laughs> you wouldn't do it again. But it's like I'm a goldfish, and I, I, I did it three times in, in, um, in about a fortnight period once, and it was horrendous. So that was sort of based on me. Um, yeah, that was based on me. Okay, uh, a question down here. Which is your favourite Doctor Who episode which you've been in? Uh, the favourite Doctor Who episode that I've been in, um, that you have seen, because my favourite one is still to come, but... Um, the favourite one I've been in, been in so far is probably um, uh, the, the Fires of Pompeii because um, 
it was, well, for a start, we got to go abroad. That was always good. And I really felt it was... Um, did you film it in Pompeii then? We filmed it actually in Rome, at the Cinecitta Studios in Rome, but uh, it, it doubled yeah. as Pompeii. Um, and I loved, that, I loved that episode because it was a real um, p power shift, I felt, between the Doctor and, and, yeah. and, and, and a companion where he gets challenged and she says to him, you're wrong, this is not good. And, I, I, and it really kind of stepped up as a, as a storyline. I thought it was brilliant. This, this, this guy, hi. Is there a microphone over here? What's your favourite Shakespeare play? My favourite? It, it, it kind of goes in waves. At the moment, I'm really in love with Much Ado About Nothing. Um, but I do love um, The Winter's Tale as well, because I have great memories of that um, at drama school. And, and, and again, it was, I had a director that, was, that made it really accessible and, and I, I, loved, I, I loved it, and I love Hermione's speech when she's in the, uh, uh, you know, before the judges. There's a question, this lady here. If you're stuck on a desert island with a character from a Shakespeare play, who would it be and why? Very good. Ooh. Um, do you know, it would probably be Benedict, because he's, he's I could, you know, I, 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 I like people that are funny, I like people that don't necessarily, you know, wear their heart on their sleeves, but I also like people that will step up when asked. And um, I've got a feeling he can chop wood. <laughs> Always very handy in a man. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I think a final question over here. Um, would you ever consider doing a sketch show with Dawn and French? Uh, are, are you her agent? <laughs> Uh, would I ever consider doing a sketch show with Dawn French? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I, I think Jennifer Saunders might have something to say about it, but um, I'd be up for it. Can I do this? There, yes. there was a little girl there with her hand up for a long time. Is it you, darling? Yeah. Yeah, let's give you the microphone. What's the hardest um, uh, character to play from your show? From my show? Yeah. The hardest character is um, the hardest character to play because I laugh a lot is uh, I do this um, nurse, this Irish nurse character <laughs> and she talks like that <laughs> and I find it really difficult to not laugh all the time uh, because I just think she's a riot, I, lo I love her <laughs> I just love her hair I just love, I said I wanted a real ginger, wiry, you know, Brillo pad that she thinks looks absolutely great. You know what I mean? And I just, oh, I love that character. It just, it, it does shamefully actually make me laugh when I'm doing it, which is it's not a very good thing to say. What's just really striking me here is that you are a natural Shakespearean, actually. We are talking about Shakespeare, but we're also talking about your work. And it's... You're making this whole audience laugh, not by getting up and sort of, you know, putting bells on your knees and doing a silly dance. You're making <laughs> them laugh with, with language, and that's ah, absolutely wonderful. That's what we want with Shakespeare. That's what we want. Um, one, one more question. Uh, let's go further back. Has anybody got a microphone further back? A microphone? Yep, okay. That's it. How did you, how did you start off being like... Do, doing, doing my stuff? Yeah. I started off um, going to, when I was uh, young, I went to the National Youth Theatre and I started doing, I went to lots of youth theatres actually, I used to be in a, a youth theatre in the East End as well 
Um, and that's how I started doing plays and got really interested in, in stage work. And then uh, when, when I was 17, I applied to drama school. When I was 21, I got in. Um, and then from when I was at drama school, I started doing stand-up. Stand-up comedy, where you, know, you just go out with a microphone in front of an, a, an audience and you kind of just talk to them and make them laugh. And from there, I started writing my own sketches and I went to the Edinburgh Festival. Um, I mean, in between that, I kind of worked on plays and in TV stuff, but with my own stuff, it took me a while to get up the courage to do it. I went to the Edinburgh Festival with my own show and I did some characters. And very, very luckily, I, I, I sort of... I don't know what happened that day. I think the real person in charge was off, but someone at the BBC sort of came up and went... Do you want to be on telly? And I sort of went, no, oh, all right, I, I, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I hadn't intended to. I just thought, oh, this will be a fun thing to do. And, 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 then, I got, and then I got a series, and it was quite... Um, sounds lo- I mean, there was a lot of hard work went into it, but it, it just seemed relatively, well, extremely fortunate. But. Well, 400-odd um, years ago... Uh, Shakespeare was definitely the people's choice. And, um, <laughs> I think you'll find and, that was Ant and Deck. And, uh, no, you are not. <laughs> no, you are the people's choice, because earlier this month they revealed it was you. I'm not Robbie Williams, but congratulations on the 2005 Comedy Award, People's Choice Comedy Award. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Catherine Tate. Thank you.